Welcome to episode 17 of the Become a Media Maven podcast. And I'm so excited about today's episode because I am talking about starting a subscription box business. And I am speaking to Jessica Principe, who is a friend of mine who has a very unique subscription box. And we're going to talk about that in this episode and how she got started. A lot of what I've talked about on the podcast thus far has been about people in a service-based industry. And she is in the product-based industry. So it is very, very different. And you're going to hear all about how she got started, how she's growing, and how she's almost growing out of her house at this point. So I hope you enjoy this interview with my friend, Jessica Principe. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Jessica, thank you so much for being on the Become a Media Maven podcast. Christina, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so intrigued by your business because one, it is a subscription box, which is super (laughs) fun. And the brand is just super cool. You have all girls shave club. So tell everybody what that is. Yeah. So All Girl Shave Club is, like you said, a subscription service and an online boutique where we feature really fun, unique, um, female-focused shaving, grooming, and body products. And it's really just designed to make self-care and grooming um, convenient, beautiful, and fun. And how did you get this idea? (laughs) So the idea came to me kind of organically. A little bit about me before um, I started my business, I was working full time in a business that my mom had founded while I was in college. And so I had always had a passion for small business, for entrepreneurship, all of those things like just really appealed to me. And so when I had the opportunity to come work for her, it was a great, great experience because I was able to kind of help her build the business and, and build her dream, you know, watch that kind of come to fruition. And, um, I, about 10 years in though, I started to feel like it wasn't necessarily the, the position that I wanted to be working. Like I loved being in the environment of small business and the fast pace of entrepreneurship, but it wasn't the the company didn't have, I didn't have the passion for the company itself. What did your mom do? What was her business? It was a vocational school that trained nursing assistants and she's a nurse. And so she had all of that clinical skill, but she didn't have the business background. And that's what I got my degree in. And so it kind of was like a natural, a natural pair there, you know? (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Um, So yeah, so we built that business and it was great, but I just started feeling like I wanted something of my own. Like, you know, I wanted to have a business of my own, but I just didn't know what that was going to be. And it sounds so funny, but I, you know, I, I knew I wanted to have a business. I didn't know what it was, but I started saving money anyway. I knew that I wanted to be prepared for when the right opportunity came around. Um, and so for about three years, my husband and I kind of just were saving money and I was exploring different opportunities and still working full time for her. And then the idea for the business just came to me so organically out of the blue. I was getting ready to shave my legs. 
legs, something that I totally did not enjoy, you know, just the process. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, you are a natural problem solver here, Jessica. How can you make shaving a little bit more fun? Like this is, doesn't have to suck so bad, right? So um, I'm thinking to myself about all of the different ways that I could kind of make it better for myself. And then it was kind of just like, a vision of like all of these things coming in my head at once, like, oh my gosh, maybe you could do this and maybe you could do that. And is this something you could build a business around? Are other women suffering with this same problem? And, you know, how could you make it better for, for everybody? And so that's kind of where it started. And I, I shared the idea with my husband and he was on board and we kind of went from there. Okay. I have a couple of questions about that. Yeah. <laughs> One, how long ago was this? So the idea came to me in about May of 2016. Oh, so not too long ago. No, my business is still very new. We are only um, in our second year right now. Okay. And now you are a product-based business. You are a subscription box. Yeah. And I'm a service-based business. And product-based businesses scare me because <laughs> you have to have more of an investment up front and you just have a, I feel like you have a lot more to deal with than mm -hmm. you would a service-based business. So tell me like your fears and your thoughts around getting started with a product-based business. For sure. So that was a de that was definitely a fear of mine too, because you know, working for my mom's company, that was a service based business. It was education, so we didn't have a whole lot of overhead, and I didn't have any experience in product based business, in e commerce, in subscription commerce. This was completely, completely new for me. Zero, zero, zero experience. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> and so it was very scary. But what I learned is. You know, we can go, I can, I can research her days and, and all of the information that you need about anything, you can do, literally do anything because all of the information is available to us with Wi-Fi. So if you don't have Wi-Fi, go to the library, your library has Wi-Fi, but you can literally have access to any of the information that you need to start any type of business. But of course, there was a lot of fear around it because it was so new for me. Um, so I just kind of treaded very carefully and I was, I was cautious in, in the decisions that I made and I ran um, a pre-launch before I launched the business to really test um, product market market fit before I invested a ton of money into it. Okay. So how did you do the pre-launch? How did that work? So basically after, so it was about six months or so of research, just kind of developing my idea, developing the concept, how I wanted the business to look and take shape and all of that. And then that's when I started pre-launch. And basically what I put together was just a basic landing page. It kind of talked about what All Girl Shave Club was, um, the products, the service, the subscription, all of the different things that they could experience or expect to experience with All Girl Shave Club. And it left the opportunity for them to leave their email address if they were interested. So I didn't sell anything. I didn't ask them to follow me on social media. It was literally just to collect email addresses. And then once I had email addresses, I was able to nurture those people um, and find out, you know, what are they looking for? Um, do they like these different products that I have in mind or were they thinking something different? Um, it just gave me a kind of like a, a gold mine of information of customers, potential customers, so that I could really shape my business to be exactly what they're looking for and hopefully even exceed their expectations. And also it helped to kind of like create a sense of, um, 
of of relationship like that no like and trust factor they they were kind of invested in my business because they were they were with me from the beginning you know so when we did launch you know I had that that audience that I was ready to launch to okay I have two questions about that yeah one how were you driving traffic to the landing page since you were mm-hmm. starting from zero and mm-hmm. how long did you nurture those people Great questions. So a lot of people think that they can't launch a product-based business without having, you know, prior experience being a blogger or something like that, like already having an audience. I, again, was not an influencer. I was not a blogger. I didn't have any of, I didn't have a built-in audience. So I shared my landing page. First of all, I used a, a, a tool, a platform called Kickoff Labs, and they had a Um, share feature built in. So basically I was able to set up a reward system. So it incentivized people to share the landing page and they would earn rewards for every share. And for everybody that signed up off of their unique link, they would earn a reward point. And those points could be redeemed for coupons, for extra product, for their chance to win a free, uh, I think it was three month subscription. There was a whole bunch of different levels. And so that helped to incentivize. And, And then I just started sharing it like organically within my network. So within my, my Facebook page, my Instagram page. And then I was also part of a mom's group. So just a bunch of women who all had babies around the same time on Facebook. And, you know, they were kind of invested in the the business with me because they were there from the beginning. I would share, you know, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And, and um, so when I, when I la- or launched my pre-launch, all of these women, there's like 500 women in the group, they all started sharing the page too because they were excited for me and they were kind of like wanting to support me. And so that kind of gave us some traction. And then when um, other people would share, of course, that kind of started to build the momentum of building that email list. So it was really very organic and, and social media really helped. And what was the name of that software or that system that you used? Yeah, I use Kickoff Labs. Kick off labs. Okay. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. I've never heard of that before. That sounds very cool. It's okay. so easy. Yes. <laughs> and how long were you doing this before you actually went to launch? You had the nurture part. I guess yeah. you had the testing of your market. You yeah. had the nurture part. How long did that take until you were like, okay, I'm in business. This is it. Yeah, that was actually one of the turning points for me was um, when I was building that that email list, when I was, you know, testing that product market market fit and making sure that I had a viable idea that people would actually buy into. Um, I felt like I, I knew from my research that about 10% of our email list would convert to paying customers. And so it was my goal to get to at least a thousand email subscribers before I launched the business. And I realized we were, this was about October when I first started the pre-launch. I realized very shortly in about a month in that the list was growing and that people were joining that weren't my friends and weren't my family emails I didn't recognize. And then they were growing faster and faster. And so I really felt like once I hit that 1000 um, email list mark, I, I knew I had legs and that I think I thought the business definitely could, could um, survive a launch. And so we launched in December, uh, 2000, uh, December 28th, 2016. So it was about three months. Okay. And then tell me what the launch looked like. Did you send everybody an email and say, Hey, (laughs) we're in business subscribe. How did that look? 
pretty much, but in a little bit different fashion. Yeah, we got them really excited about the pre about the launch. We we did a countdown, and so people were following us on social media, and we were driving traffic at that point then to our social media accounts, and we were doing a countdown. So every day for the the three days leading up, you know, it was three, two, one, and then we um, granted our email subscribers early access to the launch. So they were able to purchase um, when we when we launched on the 28th, and then we opened it up to the public on January 1st. So they kind of got exclusive access. And yeah, we just did it all by email. And it, it was really successful. It definitely, my goal was to launch with 100 subscribers. I just wanted at least 100. And we definitely blew that out of the out of the park. We, we gained way more than 100 within the first month. So it was really awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so tell me um, price points. How much is a subscription or a membership for how long? And mm-hmm. what do people get? So we have a couple of different options, but by far our most popular option is our discovery products package. And basically that can come with or without razor blade replenishments. So if, you know, someone already has a razor that they really like, or they don't shave very often, um, they would receive, they, they can elect to receive the package without razors. Um, but basically along with the razors, it, it comes with a jar of our whipped shave butter, which is our secret, our secret superstar product. It is amazing. It is. is. I have it. (laughs) You do. I'm so glad you like it. It is like the best thing ever. It hydrates and nourishes your skin while you're shaving. So your legs don't feel like sticky or dry after you're done. I really love it. It comes in a variety of scents. So they'll receive a jar of that every cycle. And our cycles are every two months. And then in addition, they receive two to three other unique female-focused shaving, grooming, or body products. So they, they change every cycle. So it's kind of like a surprise every cycle, but all things related to um, self-care and grooming. Very cool. Okay, so you launch at the end of 2016, kind of beginning of 2017, mm-hmm. and you were nurturing people. So how are you continuing to not just keep people who are subscribing, but also get new people in? Is Kickoff Labs, I'm assuming you're not using that anymore. Right. That's right. So once we launched, we were, we were done collecting um, email addresses on our landing page. We converted to our you know, our actual website and we were driving traffic to our website. So a a couple of different things. Retention obviously is a really big thing to focus on when you're running a subscription based business. So that was really important to me. For me, as a as a new business owner, as a new subscription owner, and as a new e-commerce owner, it was really important for me to to build a firm foundation of my business before I focused really heavy on marketing. I wanted to make sure that I was really meeting the expectations, exceeding the expectations, and delighting my customers. Um, and so that was really important. I spent a lot of time just providing exceptional customer service and really just connecting with my customers and making sure that you know, they were, they were happy with the products and that they were having a good experience and also building up kind of, kind of my legs, my business legs, you know, understanding the rhythm of cash flow and the rhythm of the subscription cycles. And, and so those things, that's where I really focused in the beginning, I would say the first three months. Um, and mind you, I was also working full time. So I was trying to really just kind of balance everything. 
Um, and then after I felt more confident in, in that and that I was meeting the needs of my customers and that, um, you know, I, I felt like I had a, a good grasp on the rhythm of the business, that's when I started to kind of introduce more marketing in the form of um, a referral program and working with influencers. That's kind of what we did first. Okay. I want to talk about that, but first I want to note something that I'm hearing and I think it's important because I feel like a lot of people, they get so excited and they just want to do everything and they have that shiny object syndrome, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you were super strategic and you did things slowly and you were like, okay, I want to make sure this is done perfectly before I move <laughs> on to the next. Cause a lot of people just go straight to marketing because that's the yeah. fun stuff and you take the pretty pictures and you build the pretty website. And it sounds like you were super focused and super strategic. So tell me where that comes from. That is a really good question. I actually think in the beginning, it kind of came out of fear. To be honest, I was just a little bit afraid. I didn't want to take on more than I could handle. But I think that it served me really well um, because I think I'm just more of a practical person in general. Um, and my husband also, he he is even more practical than I am. <laughs> so he really encouraged me to do that. But I think you know it's important to make sure that we do have a firm foundation in our businesses before we go crazy because we want to make sure that we can keep up with not only the demand, but also keep up with the excellent service and and the experience with our customers. And did you ever feel the need to like, oh, I just want to do this? Or were you ever like in a rush? I mean, kind of talk about that because I feel like a lot of people, they want to rush and they want to hit a certain amount by a certain time because it makes them feel special and they can post it on Instagram. And really, it's like that's the only thing they care about. So tell me how you really maintained a strategic and more focused outlook so you could, I guess, be slow to grow. Yeah, I feel like that's actually... that's actually important because it helped me to prepare for the scale. So, you know, being able to focus on building up the the processes and the systems and having all of those things in place, I I was thinking of it as if I can have all of these systems in place and I can have everything, you know, really ready to go, when I'm ready to scale, Every, the scale will be much easier for me. Um, and also, you know, like I said, I was working full time at the time. So I worked full time for my mom's company for the first eight months of my business. And so juggling that and also my business and my family, it was just important to me to have everything super organized and to be able to have those processes and systems in place so that when we were ready to scale, which we started doing, you know, about nine months in, it was much easier for us to handle and much easier for us to grow. Okay. I love that. I think that's like super important for people to know because so many times yeah. people want to go do the fun stuff. Yeah. It, and it can be, you know, when you see other people, especially doing the sort of similar things that you're doing and they're, you know, killing it and you're like, oh my gosh, like I should be doing that too. And it can really like kind of take over your mind. But I think a firm foundation will always serve you well. Um, okay. This is like super good information. Now I have a question about the subscription box method. Why did you not just go to products? Why did you choose a subscription box? Ooh, that's a great question. I kind of liked the, I, I'm a subscription box junkie. I'll be honest. Like I subscribe to so many different boxes. And so I loved the, I love the novelty of getting 
something in the mail that I that I didn't really know what it was. It was kind of like a gift for myself. And I love the experience of unboxing it and experiencing the new products and things like that. So that was important to me to incorporate into my subscription um, business. That's really where the idea came from. You know, now we have you know, people can just buy just razors or just shave butter. But I really wanted to pair the novelty of those really fun, unique products and the discovery of new brands and products with the replenishment. So that's kind of how I built the business. I like it. And it's easy because you don't have to leave your house. It just comes to you. (laughs) It is. And isn't it fun to get mail that is just like exciting and fun to open. And it's so unique. Like I feel like there's a lot of beauty subscription boxes. Um, Mm -hmm. In the next episode, we're actually going to talk to a mutual friend, Julie Ball, who has a subscription box for female entrepreneurs. And yours is so niched. (laughs) It is. And that's another thing too is, you know, I thought in the beginning I could cast a wide net and I could just reach anybody who shaves. But it's really not like that. I'm finding that you have to really niche down and focus on the women who really who've been shaving a long time, who are tired of it, who want to really incorporate self-care in their daily grooming routine. So I think the more niche we go, the better, the better we are and the more success we could have. Okay, I first found out about you when Dana Malstaff and I were voxing. Mm. And she must have been shaving and voxing at the same time because <laughs> she brought brought it up and she was saying um that she loves shaving now and it's like such a fun experience. And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and then I started getting angry cuz I was I was telling her my story of how I've had laser hair removal on my legs like a million times, but I still have to shave every once in a while because it doesn't get it all. And she goes, oh my gosh, you need to have Jessica's all girl shave club box sent to your house because she actually makes it like a fun, enjoyable process. That is so funny. She is so funny because, you know, she had actually boxed me one time and she had this, this, this concept that was just so funny, but it was so relatable and so true. She was like, you know, I have to shave every single day because it sets the tone for my day. She's like, if I shave my legs, you know, I feel really good and I feel really confident and I feel like I want to go to the gym and work out. And if I go to the gym and I work out, then I feel like I want to eat good foods and make good choices for my body. And she's like, and it just keeps going on and on. And I just, I love that because, you know, I agree that as, as women, you know, we really, we really do juggle a lot of things and it's important for us to take a few minutes a day to just kind of nurture ourselves and enjoy a few moments of like intentional self-care, whatever that means for us. So this is a great way to be able to do that. Okay. Now, did you make any mistakes along the way? Of course. Of course. (laughs) Any, (laughs) Any you care to share that were maybe good learning experiences for you? Oh, goodness. Let me think. I mean, I think, I feel like we make mistakes all the time, but you know, let me think of one that's really good. Let's see. You're just so strategic about everything. (laughs) You know, I think the biggest mistake that I made is just kind of in the beginning, just kind of like letting fear take over. And that's, that can really like hinder me. It really did hinder me for a long time. I think I could have launched sooner. I think I probably could have been a little bit more aggressive, but I was, I was afraid and I had to learn to deal with imposter syndrome. I had to learn to deal 
deal with the fact that fear is our, you know, body's natural response to the unknown. And, you know, that was hard. I, I was coming from a position where I was super confident in my work. I knew exactly what to do. I knew how to do it. I was leading teams. I was, you know, very confident in, in what I was doing. And so, switching gears and doing something completely on my own, you know, I was responsible ultimately at the end of the day for the success or failure of the business that that felt very heavy for me. And so being able to push through it was was very challenging for me in the beginning. So what were you afraid of? I was afraid of a lot of things, of of failing, of you know being embarrassed that maybe I try something new and I don't I don't do a good job, or you know wasting money that we've saved, or you know all of those things. You know when you when you run a business, especially a business like mine, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of attention that comes with that, and so I didn't want to make any any mistakes or or make myself look bad in any way. But I realized, you know, I had to get over that. I really had to get over that, and I had to accept the fact that I'm human and that I I can I will make mistakes, and people will 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 either understand or they won't, and and that's not up for me to worry about. I think those are the two biggest fears, honestly. People are afraid of failing and afraid of people seeing them fail. Mm-hmm. And then they're also afraid of wasting money. And I do think that's why a lot of solopreneurs or new entrepreneurs, they wait so long or they try to just soak up everything they can online for free and they're not strategic. Mm-hmm. And I think they all need to get over it. And you did. So tell me, <laughs> tell me how you got over it because it's a lot easier to say than do. Oh my gosh, that is so true. You know what? Actually, this is this is funny because it was in the beginning. I okay, so I got my idea in May. It was about July, so a few months into my my intense research, I was thinking, "Oh, girl, you can't do this. Like, who are you to do this? You know, you don't have the experience. You don't have the expertise. There are very, very big competitors in the space that have lots more resources and reach than you do. Like." what are you thinking? And that was this like real playing on my head over and over and over again. And it was really paralyzing me. And so it was about that time that my husband found this event called Business Boutique and it's run by Christy Wright. Um, and I went down to her event in Nashville. He sent me there. He's like, you know what? You've got to stop this. You're, you're, you're driving me nuts and we need to find a way to get you through this. So he sent me down to Nashville and I attended her event and it was like she was speaking directly to me. Like everything she was saying, she was talking about imposter syndrome. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I didn't know that was an actual thing, but I just felt like I was kind of alone on my own island here dealing with it. But she talked about imposter syndrome and how, you know, we we all we all go through this and fear is like I said our body's natural reaction to the unknown and that you know even if you have to do it afraid you have to do it. You know, you just have to push through. And so that event, going to that event really was a turning point for me. I really left there really inspired, really on fire. And I felt like I had given, been given, you know, confidence and and permission to just push through, even if I had to do it afraid. And I did a lot of the times I did do, do things afraid, but I did it anyway. I am in a mastermind with Dr. Shannon Irvin, who spoke also at the Boss Mom Retreat where we met in person. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I spoke on day one and she spoke on day three. Uh And she is a PhD. She helps entrepreneurs with their mindset. And 
she is constantly saying that when you are afraid to do something or when you just feel held back for one reason or another, that is a sign that you are supposed to do it. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so if you're afraid, then you have to switch your mindset and be like, okay, I'm afraid. I don't want to ask this person this. I don't want to post this. I don't want to start this, whatever it is. If you feel that fear, you need to do a 180 and say, this means I'm supposed to do it, so I'm going to do it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is so good. That is sage advice for sure. I agree. Yes, and I also learned from my first business coach You just have to take your feelings out of it. When Mm. you are growing your business, you have your list of things to do. Those are things you have to do. You don't feel. They're not emotion. It's business. So Mm. when you are afraid of something, so say, you know, you're afraid of, of, you know, sending people to your landing page at the beginning, you have to say, this is just a thing on my to-do list that I have to just cross off, so I just have to do it. And you really right. don't even take time to think about it, to feel emotion, if you are feeling that fear. I love that. That is so true. Because like, if we're working for an, uh, uh, you know, another company not, that's not our own, we're not afraid to do those things because you know, we don't have the feeling involved. It's just our job and we have to do it. You know, when we're working for ourselves kind of puts a different spin on it. So I love taking that approach of just not feeling. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Obsessed with the subscription box, obsessed (laughs) with everything. Tell me where, like, let's go like logistical here. Where do you keep it all? Like, how does it actually (laughs) operate behind the scenes? Because again, I'm service-based. Like Mm -hmm. I am a person, I have people on my team. I don't have a bunch of stuff. So how does it all work? (laughs) That's such a good question. We, I am very fortunate that we have a very, very large unfinished basement in our home. And so we converted that basement into our warehouse. We have industrial shelving and equipment and everything down there that we need. And, you know, I'm, I'm outgrowing the space now. So we're going to be transitioning to a a warehouse soon. But for me, it was really important for me to keep um, control of that. Like I didn't want to outsource it to a fulfillment center, which a lot of companies do. And that's totally fine. It's a personal preference. But for me, I really wanted to have kind of the control of that. I wanted to be able to oversee it. I wanted to make sure that the quality was always there. Um, I wanted to make sure that I could manage my inventory properly. And so for us, we, we keep it all here. And I also love that I have access to, you know, my office and my work while I'm at home. So I can kind of bounce between two places. <laughs> that is the best. I recorded yeah. <laughs> a podcast episode, episode 12 on how to make money from home mm-hmm. because everything that I do is from home. Mm-hmm. And there's many people who they could have an office. They choose to have an office because they like the look of it. But yeah. honey, we are saving money by lowering our expenses <laughs> by doing this all from home. It's so true. And you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to run my own business is because I wanted to be, have the flexibility to be here when my kids got off the bus and to send them onto the bus, you know, like I wanted that flexibility. So I'll be sad to be honest, the day that we have to move out because I really love having it here. (laughs) Why do you have to move out? Because you're growing like crazy and you can't house enough subscription boxes (laughs) in the basement anymore? Well, you know, something like that. Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. Do you have any tips? Let's leave people with some tips and maybe an action item on what they could do to start building a a successful product-based business like you have. 
Yeah, definitely. I think um, making sure that you know your margins is something that's really important. So making sure that you're really comfortable running the numbers and that you're you're able to protect your margins. You want to have at least a 35 to 40% margin on your product. So that's one thing. And then um, another thing too is if they're th- if you're th- they're thinking of starting a subscription um, based business or product based business, I have a checklist on my website that will kind of take them from dream to launch that they're able to download for free on jessicaprincipe.com. Okay, we are putting that in the show notes, jessicaprincipe.com, and it's really like principal without the L. That's right, exactly, yep. <laughs> Not principal like at school where it ends in pal, but principal like you're a principal person. Just go yeah. to the show notes and click on it, people. I'm making it easy for you. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jessica. This has been awesome. And I purposely wanted to find out more about your business while we recorded the podcast. Most of my guests really up until this point, I've already known about them and their business. But you, I mean, obviously I know you. Um, I knew you before I actually knew you in person. But I, I haven't gotten the total... 411 and breakdown of your business, how it started and how it grew. And I wanted to learn on the podcast, just like everybody else. So I really appreciate you sharing. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. No problem. Thank you. And if you want to find out more about Jessica and what she does or the All Girls Shave Club, don't miss the show notes. Make sure you check those out because I have everything linked there. I also have my three-day media class pitch publicity profit linked there as well. If you have not joined yet, be sure to check it out. And next week, we are keeping the subscription box thing alive. And we're going to talk to Julie Ball, who is actually a good friend of Jessica's as well, a good friend of mine. Um, And her subscription box is going to be perfect for you if you're listening to this podcast right now and if you are a female because it is specifically for female entrepreneurs. You are going to love it. So I hope to see you back here next week.